coach, oh, maybe retired coaches of those in Utah and, and the old piss rebels and a bunch of them other schools and all. And, you know, I'm sorry about that. Hello, baby. I mean, been calling in. Uh, lots of things going on right now in my life. You know, lots of chicks, lots of money. <laughs> but right now they got this damn storm or this damn bad weather coming. And I don't want to say right now we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna prepare. We're going to whip some ass. We're gonna be, we prepared all three phases, baby. We're going to whip that barometric pressure's ass. We're going to be coming. You know, them storms, they, they may be coming around here, but um, we're going to prepare all three phases of uh, meteorology, meteorologically and all that, whatever you call it. And I just want you all to listen to that antelope. You know, get that in, maybe that, that podcast and all. Lots of crazy things going on in the sports world right now. I mean, them Saints suck. You know, I, I was supporting your boy, Allen, but I, mean, I don't know about now. I mean... Hey, I mean, I don't know. You might be see Coach O over there in the Saints uniform pretty soon. <laughs> All anything's possible, baby. Have faith and go Tigers and take it sleazy. Cycles. We'll lose part of the system for a while. There's a finite amount of memory. You can't use it for everything. We're gonna compile for half an hour. Go ahead. All of you. We're approaching the Tyrannosaur paddock. Welcome to the Sports Antelope, episode number 130. I'm your host, Danny Belts. How to lose a sale and your kid's tuition money during bowl season. That's a mouthful. That's what she said. Sing it, Kenny! Kenny Loggins, ladies and gentlemen. He broke even last week, but I did not. We'll get into the games that were. A play of the year comes through again. That was huge. Two or three of mine this year have been lucky. This one was not. We'll recap that quickly. Tommy Bench is in. He'll be talking about what's going on over there with Brittany Griner and the Marine that was left over there, but it's not what you think. And Tommy Bench is usually tough on former military. And this is a take you will not hear on the news. This is a grade A reason why we have him on the show, because this is a pretty, I'd say, a pretty great objective analysis on what's actually happening aside from what's going on in our stupid televisions with the mass media. The drunk neighbor, unfortunately, is out. He's still doing the Lord's work on the road. I think he's up there in Tennessee or something. Should be coming back this weekend. Maybe I'll see him. Bro Exotic is coming in, ladies and gentlemen, for a top fiver. I know I say that every now and again, but this is a top fiver. You're going to want to really, you're going to want to get in on this as he has found some things out about Jimmy Kimmel in comparison to a football game. I don't know how it works, but I'll be damned if I just... Don't tell you it doesn't work because this one is just (laughs) incredible. So we're going to be getting into some of the bowl games here up to the week of the 22nd. And because bowl games are sparse and scattered throughout the week, we're just going to have to do this on Instagram and on the show. I'll do a good a job as I can at talking about the games that I want on the show. So when they go to the Instagram page, there's no like, wait, where'd that one come from? Because there are a lot of people I do know of that will follow these plays for the most part. part, So I just want to make sure we're all... On the same page there as bowl season becomes difficult to juggle. It's my favorite time of the year, however. I mean, it's just incredible. It's so much fun to watch. And these bowl games have their own narratives. And if you stick to the script, you can do better more often than not. And that's what we're going to be getting into today in a minute is how to lose your kids' tuition money during bowl season as well as losing a sale because I've done both. (laughs) So this makes me a resident expert on how to lose money. So there you go. You're going to want to listen to this. Because I can't tell you how to win. I don't know necessarily how to do that. I don't think anyone does. But I can tell you how not to lose. And that is almost equally important as this game is still about damage control and minimizing loss. The minute you understand that, you'll have an easier time accepting what and why I'm trying to do this the way that I'm trying to do it. Well, before we get into that, let's talk about... I went to the Pelicans game on... Sun Saturday, last Sunday, God damn, yeah, Sunday, okay, went to the Pelicans game, they're playing the much maligned Phoenix Suns as we boo Chris Paul, apparently, every time he touches the basketball, it's pretty funny, packed house in the Smoothie King Center, and the game before that, Zion Williamson had some emphatic windmill 360 dunk that he apparently shouldn't have done, says the unwritten rules of basketball, and CP me who is just be basically the Brian McCann of the NBA and wants to go on and on about all the... It's just so stupid. Look, they eliminated you guys from the... play. The Pelicans were eliminated by the Suns. Zion was absent, and he wanted to make his presence felt, and he certainly did in that game and the next one that I went to with my brothers, and we'll get into that in a second. 
But the only problem I have is that it was a problem because it's not a problem. I mean, Aiden on the Suns had a good take. Zion even said, look, it's not characteristic of what I do, but here's why I did it. And everyone's still bitching. And then, the, you know, I go to the Pelicans game, watch the Suns. It somehow goes to overtime and the Suns lost the Pelicans with the quick two-game sweep. The one seed in the West right now, which is wild, doing this all without Brandon Ingram, who, Brandon Ingram who's basically a top five Top five player in the NBA. If he's not top five, well, he's not saying he's top five. I'm excuse me. When he's healthy, I had to give him like top ten, right? I mean, he's right around there, and they're winning without him, so that's interesting. And they have a really ridiculously deep bench. They can go all the way down to almost ten and eleven, five and six off the bench, all the way down to basically the end of the bench. If you go look at a Pelicans box score, it's pretty wild how many minutes all these different people are getting. You don't see NBA teams really go farther deep past eight. But this is uh, kind of the exception to the rule. And this is the first time I actually saw Zion Williamson uh, from close up. And I have to tell you, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, it really was. Uh, he looks fantastic. He looks like an edge rusher that should be playing on Sunday. He looks slender, shoulders of four feet wide. Looks like the dude never misses arm day in the gym. And the way he's able to laterally move does not run in congruency or in line with someone that is that size, uh, it's, it's quite incredible. He's actually 275 pounds. I remember when we were kept saying, LeBron is 6'8", 280. LeBron James has never been over 255 in his life because you just go look at him. He's not. When you look at Zion Williamson from 20, 30 feet away, you can tell that he is an absolute animal. And the way that he is able to distribute the basketball, handle the basketball, play defense, uh, the dude never gets caught in any screens. He can guard basically from four to one. And it's just, it really is insane to watch that guy go to work. The upside to Zion is probably the highest I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and he can still shoot threes. That's usually what comes last is the three-point shooting ability. But he already has that now. He's got a really good head on his shoulders. You see the way he addresses the media. Uh, I, I just, I, I, I think the upside to this guy is larger than some of the most incredible names you've ever heard if he can stay healthy. But that big if is um, that's neither here nor there because in order to be, as I just described, you can't be hurt all the time and he's yet to do that. So that's just really had a good time there. My wife bought these two tickets for me and my brother, my two my brothers. And then they invited two of our other friends who surprised me there. And it was a great time as we were able to watch CP me foul out the game because he threw his legs forward on a three-pointer and they reviewed it, overturned it, and he fouled out. That was worth the price of admission in itself. Uh, but anyway, let's just move on real quick before we get to the message today. Louisville finally won a basketball game. Alert the media. Contact them in case your local syndicate has not put this on the front page. Because Louisville, I am here to tell you, beat Western Kentucky in basketball. If you haven't known or haven't been following, Louisville is 0-9 record-wise, 0-9 against the spread it's the first time any team has ever opened up 0-9 against the spread. It's virtually impossible. That's like winning nine coin flips. Can't bet against Louisville every week. And they finally won. And congrats, just congratulations to that team, who only 10 years ago was playing in a national championship and dominating. It just, has, it just shows how fast the tides can change. So let's get into what I want to get into today. So, you know, there is a lot of ways you can lose your kids' tuition money. I haven't actually done that, but... But, uh, you know, I've lost a lot of money in this game. Anyone that says they haven't is a liar. And the good news about me is I continue to learn and build and learn and build and get more and more discipline, which leads me to greener pastures because I know what I'm bad at and I just have to over just stop the urge to do things that I know I probably shouldn't be doing. And bowl season presents a ton of challenges uh, for a, a, for a, a myriad of reasons. And we're going to get into the ones that I've identified, the seven ones in which you're going to want to you're going to want to listen because it applies the same as it does professionally for me as it does recreationally betting on the side. So anyway, get a pen, get a paper. Go ahead and put your phone on do not disturb. Tell the wife, I don't smell nothing cooking, get in the kitchen. Uh get a <laughs> I heard this one dude one time tell his wife, women are good for making babies. And cooking dinner. I don't spell nothing cooking and you ain't pregnant. So what are you doing right now? It was the most disrespectful, ludicrous thing I've ever heard. And I think he was halfway serious. And she just stormed off. And I was like, man, that's pretty fucked up. But I'm going to... It's pretty funny. Uh, 
<laughs> so when it comes to your sales process, there's a lot of things you need to you need to do. Okay, let me just start with this. If you don't have a sales process, you, you need to get one. No matter what company you work for, they're all going to have different processes and how they want to do things. Uh, recently, you know, one of these dudes I met at the airport bar in Detroit on a layover. I was sitting there eating, met this 23-year-old who listens to the show, and we still keep in touch via text. And he's actually responsible for this big spike in Michigan that we have. And basically, he was an engineer type getting into sales. He went to school for engineering. He went to Purdue, an amazing uh, engineering school. And But he wanted to get more on the sales side of things with the company he was in. And they were going to give him an interview. And here he goes. And I asked him before he went up there, what's your sales process? And he looked at me like I was insane. So I just said, okay, buddy, let's review this. Basically, able to show him what this looks like, what an actual process looks like. So I'll fast forward all this because it's irrelevant, but I drew up a sales process that I used to use. He's getting in an entry type sales position. I said, make no mistake, young man, this question is going to come across the desk is what is your sales process? That is a question that will be asked every single time and you better have an answer and it better not be uh, I wake up in the morning and I step outside, I drink a deep breath, I get real high and I sell, I sell shit. It can't be that. So you have to have something a lot more concrete and I was able to help him do that. And lo and behold, the first question out the gate he's asked by the sales department within his own company is, Michael, explain to me your sales process. So he called me and said, look, man, I probably wouldn't have got this job if you didn't help me out, Danny Belts. <laughs> so instead of payment, I will just listen to your show every week and tell people about it. That is good enough for me, and I didn't want a payment. So anyway, when you have a sales process, and congratulations to young Michael for getting that sales job and learning how to not work on Friday, learning how to undermine the operations team, and learning how to really get in fistfights with the pricing finance side of the company, and HR will be hating you within minutes. Welcome to the club, and in the words of Bruce Willis, welcome to the party, pal. So what's important to do in a sales process, or even when you're hired with a new company, or in your day-to-day, week-to-week, or month-to-month, and again, this is just my opinion, you can take it or leave it, but I think it is very important. And remember, we're going to be making direct sales comparisons to the betting aspects of how to lose your kids' tuition money during bowl season. So just... Just remember that. So identify and eliminate fringe poor opportunities. This is a very healthy practice if you're in sales. There's no way you can, let's just say you started from scratch, you took a new job, you're in this this role and you get these lists of the guy that was there before you or maybe someone else and there's all these leads on here, air quotes, and you're gonna sift through them and find out which ones we're gonna pursue and which ones we're not. The reason why that's important to do is multifarious, but the most important is because it's gonna save you time. Now, last week I said, and I got some pushback for this, but I, I'll die on this hill, your biggest competitor is not your competition, it's time, it's the clock. What I should have specified is that's depending on the industry, I thought that was implied. Uh, it, it is not. So I can see how some people disagreed with that. However, if you, what I meant was in an industry like mine and before, if I'm worried about what the competition's doing, of course I need to know their competitive response and what I'm going to do to that or what our company's going to have a competitive response. But that still is, I can't focus too much on them. If we have a better product and I'm better than them, right, then my biggest problem is time. So this is the same thing when it comes to, let's just say, starting a new sales position and getting all these leads, is you need to go through this and find out which ones you don't want to deal with initially. Those are going to be scratched off the list. I feel this is a healthy practice. I've done it several times. Well, when it comes to betting games during bowl season, you're going to want to do the same thing. You're going to want to look at every single bowl game, all of them, and you are going to eliminate games you don't want to play. Remember, we are limiting loss. The, limit, the limiting thing is big here. So let's say for even math, there's 40 bowl games. And you say there's no way I'm playing these 25. Scratch those off the list, just like you would with your sales leads list, because that is, those now are the games you're going to be going by. Period. You cannot go back. You cannot go back and say, oh, well, this quarterback's not going to play and this offensive coordinator. No, no, no. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Get your game plan early to roll through all four quarters of your sales fiscal year just like you would this month 
of bowl season. Very important to identify and eliminate the fringe and poor opportunities professionally as well as recreationally as a gambler. I don't care if you're betting $20 a game. If you're not doing some of these things during bowl season, you may as well light $20 on fire. Trust me, I know because I've done it. Period on that. I won't hear it. I talk about this a lot, what wisdom is. You know, with the exception of Solomon, it's people continuously doing dumb shit and then trying not to do it again. The only difference is I can't, don't have much wisdom because I've done it so many times. <laughs> so that's the problem with me. But anyway, it still applies the same in a sales role and, and when you're speculating early on and doing your homework on gambling. Research opportunities, number two. Look, when you're in sales, it, it just baffles me. When I talk to certain salespeople in different industries, meeting people, I'm never going to hammer anyone, make them feel bad. But when I hear their pre-selling activity, I'm just thinking, no wonder why you're garbage. Like, what, what, what do you think is going to – what do you think is going to happen when you just randomly cold call certain companies trying to get all the way up to the highest C-level person you can? And you, and you just walk in there with knowing nothing. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I'll give you an example. One time I was able to do this. I was able to cold call when I was in medical sales and get all the way to the COO of St. Luke's. All the way to that. No, no, I'm sorry. Not St. Luke's. Her, Mer, Memorial Herman. And when, it, it, big chain in Houston. Anyway, I was able to get all the way there. And, I, and this guy started talking to me. And I, I didn't know what to say. I wasn't prepared. I had no idea anything about them. I just thought if I get a meeting, it'd be great. It's like when you're calling that chick, she never answers, and when she finally does, you're like, oh, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I was going to leave a message. Uh. So, you know, when it comes to that, there needs to be research that's done. This dude looked at me. I never will forget this quote, and this is what he said. Son, don't ever get smart on my time again. Ooh, ooh. I got pegged because he's exactly right. Don't get smart on the decision maker's time. Get smart on your time about them. LinkedIn is an incredible source that I use for many reasons. Google search engines do way more than what you think they can. Ask Tommy Bench, Rig Dig. We want to find out maybe there's a hidden parent company. Is this company a subsidiary of a larger opportunity? Am I not seeing the entire scope from atop the mountain? Am I looking at this from halfway up the mountain? Therefore, I can't see the entire view because I'm not at the top of the mountain. The only way to do this is to peel everything back and do an extensive amount of research to find the micro and macro details that are absolutely available online if you want to go find them. I mean, I don't know what to tell you when it comes to researching these ball games and how unbelievable and damaging it can be if you don't. Now more than ever, the coaching carousel of coordinators, the NILs, the kids that don't want to play versus the kids that do want to play, and yada, yada, yada. And then you hear all these spews. That's why I don't bet bowl games. <laughs> well, dude, don't act like you win any money during the regular season. I mean, come on. Like, what, what, what are we talking about here? Stop it. We'll get into the touts later. 67-55-1 and one is the sports antidote. Getting out of the gutter after that 0-8 start. That is... I rarely pat myself on the back, but I'm going to go ahead and do that one. Uh, but anyway, so you'll probably get a better uh, sample size of information and better information on this show than you would anybody else touting about things, but I don't want to get ahead of myself, so we'll get to that in, in one second. When it comes to researching opportunities. Now, there were so many examples I could give you of why I should have researched an opportunity and I didn't. The one I just gave you is the most prevalent one because it's the one that hit the hardest and the one that I'll never forget when a guy that makes about, I don't know, a half a million dollars a year who has his entire schedule for a month on point and in sync with an Outlook calendar that a secretary manages for him and I get a miracle of getting in there, you know? I, I finally get to see Gordon Gecko. Bud Fox gets the random meeting with Gordon Gecko. I don't know what to say. Well, <laughs> welcome to the club, I guess, because that's how that goes. But I'll give you another example of what this looks like within the actual landscape of gambling. In 2012, I made one of the most amazing bets ever in my life. Arkansas had just barely lost in the Sugar Bowl with Petrino to Ohio State. Looks like Arkansas was on the up and up. Then Petrino hooks up with one of the graduate assistants, and then that girl's boyfriend beats the shit out of him, and then they lie about a motorcycle injury, etc. Here we go again. Off you go. And Arkansas still retained all the same players, but I was like, I don't think they're that good last year. I don't think they're going to be this good this year. Their over-under was eight and a half. 
and I took the Arkansas under eight and a half wins. Well, their home opener is against Louisiana Monroe, and they lost. <laughs> so Arkansas didn't even go to a bowl game. They beat, they lost to UL Monroe in their own field. UL Monroe with the senior quarterback at the time named Colton Browning, a lefty who was excellent and actually scored a two-point convert. They went for the win, and they got it. A walk-off victory. It was incredible. And they had a very good season, did ULM. Almost 10 wins, which is crazy for ULM. They ended up being 8-4, and 9-3, or something along those lines. But they had Ohio, a really good team from the MAC, the Bobcats coming to play them in the, in the Independence Bowl. So this is a huge advantage for UL Monroe because all of you that don't live in Louisiana don't know that the Independence Bowl, which is only two miles from the hotel I'm, I'm talking to right now, to, uh, the hotel I'm staying in right now, uh, is in Shreveport, Louisiana. And UL Monroe is only an hour and a half from Shreveport. You're going to harbor a massive home field advantage. Secondly, Shreveport is a shithole. So no one's going to be excited to come down from Ohio. They're not going to be able to go to New Orleans. We're five hours from New Orleans. So you see, it's going to be a big home field advantage for UL Monroe, who's only laying three and a half. What is going on here? I got in on that bet. I got 50 people to get in on that bet. I, I did a tiny bit of research. Didn't really matter. And then when kickoff came, we're all watching it at this bar in Houston. My friend shows me an article that came out two weeks ago. That I did not read. And had I read this, there's a 0% chance I'm betting UL Monroe. If anything, I would have completely flip-flopped and went to bet Ohio. Worst case scenario, I just don't bet it. UL Monroe's coach allowed the entire team to go home for Christmas break and watch game film and I quote, practice amongst yourselves. I'm not fucking making this up. What do you think a bunch of kids going home are going to do? Well, I can tell you what they're not going to do. Get together and practice. They're probably going to drink every day and look for some chicks. That's what I would do. If I'd have known that, there's no way I'm betting this game. Well, anyway, I wish I wouldn't have because Ohio won 45-14. to Colton Browning had four interceptions, and Terry Tennelton, the little kid for Ohio, had the game of his life. Game was over immediately. Because I failed to do the research and I tried to get smart on Ohio's time <laughs> and I did not. So that is a massive thing you need, to, you need to follow when it comes to the coordinators moving around. Eric Morris, the offensive coordinator for Washington State, the guy that came from McCarner Word, is now going back to Texas to take the head, job, head coaching job at North Texas. I don't think it really worked out well with Cam Ward. I was wrong. And it doesn't look good that Scott Jr., their quarterback now, is tearing up the FCS like it doesn't even exist. I could have been wrong about Ward way more than I think I was. And I'll be the first one to admit that the more and more I can see that. But Eric Morris leaving his guy up there, the reason he went up there was to go with Cam, is not a good sign for Washington State. As a lot of people have hit the transfer portal, and they were a four-and-a-half point favorite over Fresno State, now they're a three-and-a-half point dog. Basically an eight-point swing, cross zero, off the cuff. Something's going on here, Right? But that was one of the games I decided I was not going to play, so I'm just not going to play it. Another reason why when you scratch teams off, you don't have to worry about it because you've told yourself, I'm not playing it. And that is wildly important to do. When it comes to listening, we'll call this number three. This is also is very important in the bowl season. You start to listen to other people talk about things, and it starts to almost create its own reality. Just because someone went to school here or, or, or for whatever reason tells you something about a ball game, it sounds too good to be true. Well, we all know that it probably is. But when you listen to people do this in bowl game, which bowl, bowl season, which happens more prevalently than nearly anything in sports betting, as far as I'm concerned, even more so than March Madness, probably because a lot of people are just not working. They hoard their PTO for the end of December, and we'll get into that soon. And so there's a lot of hearsay and ways, you know, you can get drawn off, off of the path you want to be on. Let me give you an example. When I was in sales with the restaurant company thing, uh, I was told by everybody I'm wasting my time with the Burger King franchisee in Louisiana. They own 49 locations, stretch all the way up the southeast, all the way up to like Tennessee, you know, down there, all the way around Florida, Alabama, Mississippi. And they were one of the, you know, up and coming BK franchisee groups. But I was told by everybody, you'll never get him. You'll never get him. You'll never get him. 
And then, you know, a lot of people had listened to that and it dissuaded them from going into it. Well, I asked, why shouldn't I? And they told me why. And I told myself that that sounds like a you problem. That sounds like like major pain. What we have here is a failure to communicate. And the reason why is because you're communicating things to me that make me think, at least what it looks like, this is a you problem because you suck at this. You suck at selling stuff and stuff. I mean, this is obvious. So I was able to kind of do things my way, get to this Burger King place, and then was able to get in and run a pilot because I understood, I read, did some research. They were opening up two locations in Walmarts in Louisiana. Instead of it being the McDonald's, this was going to be a Burger King. And I knew from where these places are going to be positioned, they're going to want to have this system in there. And they agreed to pilot it in these two locations in the Burger Kings and the Walmarts, which inevitably led to a rollout of all of them. I won. A better example of this is listening to people when it comes to an even larger bowl game or a larger opportunity. I was told not to waste any time when I was working with this company with schools, even though I sold two of the first colleges our company ever did, Nickel State, then Tulane, and I was told not to really worry about sports venues. That's when I sold the football stadium in Yeoman. And then I was told that, yeah, no one really is ever able to get to the Superdome because they have ties through center plate, a com- not a competitor of ours, but a, a, G- a, um, a GPO. And, uh, and basically what this did was just they didn't want me to work on that because they said it was a waste of time. I listened to them and then realized, wait a second. So center plate runs everything on the inside and they hire a competitor called Filter Fry to do all these things that we beat on the regular. Okay, what am I missing here? What, what am I missing? So I just go back and think about what I need to do to get in, listen to all these people talk about all the dumbest shit in the world that made no sense to me on why we can't get in. And then I found out, wait a second, I bet you there's a lot of oil stains and stuff with this, with all these kitchens being so far away from the rendering tank outside, there's got to be all kinds of nightmares. Got a meeting with property management, the guys that manage the facility of the Superdome, pitched this program to them. And they railroaded me in front of the center plate people to adopt this program because this is way safer than what they're doing. Center plate didn't have a choice but to take the meeting. And the property management company I went through was like, you're going to listen to this guy. Now, I ended up not getting the business. I ended up leaving the company shortly thereafter because of some things that happened. But we had it. We had things in line. Because I didn't listen to everyone else talk about the obvious, went ahead and did things the way that I knew they had to be done, found a third way in through property management who completely trumped all the objections that their customer center play was giving them and were able to get in. So the point is that when you listen, just make sure that the people you're listening to know what they're talking about. You can automatically disqualify about 90% of the stuff you're going to hear during bowl seasons. So it's going to be very difficult for you to make money. And that's why we're doing this, right? Because I know how to lose a sale. Ain't my kids' tuition money during bowl season better than anyone you've ever met. Believe that. This one we'll call the steep cliff of shortcuts. Well, Belts, isn't it better just to take some shortcuts because you're always talking about time. You can get from point A to point B a lot faster, and then you'll be able to beat time. Oh, that's correct. You can do that. However, if you take a lot of shortcuts through your sales process, you're not doing yourself any favors by getting to the end of the race faster. I can personally tell you that. Uh, You know, that's like in basketball and there's a team that's up by, let's say, eight points with a minute and a half left in the game. And the team that's up is running the shot clock down to like one second because they're, quote, milking the clock. Then they launch up a stupid three, which, of course, they miss, which gives the other team a chance to start chipping away at the lead because they're taking low percentage stupid shots because they want to run the clock out. The point is the coach sometimes is more worried about the clock than the score. Score is always more important than the clock. Okay. Same thing in sales. Your results are more important than the time you spent on them. I can tell you that because nobody cares what you did as long as you had the results. So as coaches are worried about the clock and the scoreboard, such is the same with you know, how this works with the steep cliff. You do not want to skip processes. Otherwise, then you're really wasting time because then what's going to happen is you're not going to be able to do this the right way in the beginning. And you're going to have to go back and pay for the sins of the father. And this is something you don't like and you don't want to do. You cannot skip the steps in your sales process. So don't skip these steps in your bowl betting process. As dumb as that sounds, I'm telling you, if you stick to a process, I'm not telling you I'm going to win you a lot of money, but I'm telling you, you, you can minimize loss. I don't hear enough people that give out picks talk about that. 
and it worries me. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not the only one that understands this concept or at least talks about it. And we can get into that on, an, on another side because I can already tell I'm running a little long. Let's go five here. Let's call it play at the devil's advocate. Okay, you're in there. You had a slam dunk sales meeting, right? I mean, it's in the bag. You got all this stuff going on. It's just perfect. We're going to win this. What could go wrong? <laughs> it's always smart to play the devil's advocate after a meeting or before you get into a meeting. As it looks even go, you've done your homework. Things look great. You know how, if, let's say it's even a complex sale. Complex sale means multiple decision makers in multiple different departments, which you're going to have to tie all together through your company. Very difficult. I do it all the time because the way we do, it uh, doesn't matter. Anyway, you just have to do this a certain way. A big way to do this, not to be too redundant, is to stick to the process. Like the Philadelphia 76ers, just trust the process. Lose 100 games, get a bunch of first-round picks, and then we can lose in the first round of the playoffs for 10 more years. That's a big one. Sweet. Awesome. Anyway, so when it comes to playing the devil's advocate, this is you know, very important. I've walked out of several meetings before and then I'm thinking, what, did I, what, what could go wrong here? This looks too good. What could go wrong? And sometimes if you do this, you actually have true reflection on what it is you're looking for. Your subconscious will reveal to you something you may have said or not said, or maybe you should have got this one involved and that person wasn't too involved to add to the complexity of the sale, but to give the sale more balance. We'll see this a lot. It's a good practice and you should always do this in sports gambling. In 2008, the year after LSU won the national championship, I was watching LSU get destroyed in, 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 in Baton Rouge by UGA. I think Georgia scored 55 points. It was a horrible year for LSU. You had Jefferson at quarterback. He was too young to really get anything going. You had pick six, Lee over here. They lost to Bama, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. Lost their last three conference games the season. Basically a wash. They go to Georgia Tech to play in the Peach Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Georgia Tech, a pretty good team that year. They're going to pack it out. It's, you know, Georgia Tech's down the street from that stadium. LSU's coming in here. Terrible. And Georgia Tech was only laying four points. And even I said, dude, Georgia Tech's going to slaughter these guys. And then I started peeling back the onion and thinking, what could go wrong here? And then I realized that Georgia Tech's one of the worst teams versus the run in the P5. At the time, they didn't call it that. But of all the major conferences, they are literally the worst against the run. How is that possible? And then I'm looking at LSU, who runs the ball as good as anyone does in the country that year, albeit they couldn't really throw it. And I said, you know what? I'm off this game. Just let me get off of this game. I devil's advocate myself away from betting against LSU. And LSU wins 38-3. to Completely destroys Georgia Tech as Charles Scott ran for three touchdowns. And about three miles. <laughs> really. So what my point about all this is, when you have a process in sales, you need to stick to that process. Do not cut corners. Fighting against the clock, we're going to win. We're going to execute the company strategy professionally. And on this podcast, I will help you execute the recreational gambling. I'll help you execute that accordingly on how not to lose. If you go by these steps I just did, which I will just recap for you very, very quickly, identify and eliminate fringe poor opportunities, research for opportunities, listening to outside clatter. <laughs> That's always a good one. Uh, the steep cliff of shortcuts and then playing the devil's advocate. I could have probably added a ton to these, but I'm not really sure what that would have done. We're kind of short on time, but I've, you know, I think these, these examples are good enough for me as far as giving you a landscape on what I do on one side of the fence and what I do on another. But rest assured, if you have a process in sports gambling that works for you, stick to it or professionally. If you don't have a process and you're betting, I don't care if you're betting $20 a game, take a step back, do a little objective analysis of yourself, try to, try to understand what we're doing here because I know a lot of $20 bettors that don't realize just because you bet 20 bucks and you lose 50 games a week, it becomes pretty expensive. Adopt the process, stick with the process, and you will win games and you will limit loss. The quicksand in the bowl season is paralyzing because of the amount of PTO people take. You have nothing to do. There's a lot of drinking. 
This is one of the biggest months for nearly every bookie I've ever met. And the house in Reno, Vegas, and any sports book you go to, they love this month. You have the idiots betting week 17 in the NFL against teams that need to win. And you have people betting slots in bowl games. There's no easier way to lose everything, get drunk, get out of control, and screw yourself and your family if you don't be careful. So trust me when I tell you, just be careful. Brigham Young plays Southern Millionaires University. This thing has been all over the place. The game opened up with a total of 73 and a half and then it was pulled off the board then put back on the board at 74 and a half and then taken off the board putting up at 75 and a half and then taken off the board again then it was redone at 71 and a half and then it started dropping from there I have no goddamn clue what is happening in this game but it's got my attention because now that line stands at 64 and a half now I understand there are some coordinators that are not going to be there I understand BYU's had a very embarrassing season for all they have. Not so much with F with SMU. This game's going to be in New Mexico. It's the Sun Bowl down there in Albuquerque. Brigham Young winning ball eligibility by beating Utah Tech last week somehow. Woo! BYU, another massive disaster and overrated football team. And people are going to tell you when BYU runs the football for 200 yards, they're 7 and all. Blah, 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 blah. BYU is garbage. They're a team that always tries to run the football. They're a team that gives away downs because they establish the run and waste plays in the trash can. This is why their third down conversion percentage is one of the lowest in the goddamn country. Because it's hard to convert every time it's third and seven because your dumbass coach wants to keep running up the B-gap when nothing is there. BYU is loved by the media and I don't know why. Sometimes this coach is even stupider than Joseph Smith. Dum, 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 in my opinion. I don't really have a side in this game. But you're going to have to really look me in the eye and tell me how BYU plans on stopping this Southern Millionaires offense. I don't think they can. Now, of course, BYU is going to try to establish the run. More than likely, they won't be able to keep the run going. Then they'll have to throw it, which ironically is where most of their success comes offensively as BYU does the same goddamn thing. They run the ball until they put themselves in positions where they have to pass. It's incredible. It is incredible how stupid that entire coaching staff is for Brigham Young. We're taking the over at 64 and a half on the record. Lock it in. I'm not sure if it's going up. I'm not sure if it's going down or all around. But on the record, 64 and a half. And sticking to college football, I've noticed Tulane went from minus one and a half to plus one and a half. I'm stuck with them. Minus one and a half. We'll see what happens there. But Texas Christian, you're going to get on them right now at seven and a half. On the record, Texas Christian, who we'll talk about next week. In graphic detail, I'm going to tell you why this is a way scarier team than you think and how Michigan is not nearly as good as we think and how there's a good chance. I'm not saying this for shock value. I think TCU can win the national championship, and I know I'll get laughed out the room, and I know people will say, well, you just make a hot take, and if it doesn't happen, then you don't say anything, and if it does, you call yourself a genius. I don't do that. I don't do that. You know that. I really believe this. I'd get on them now as that opened up at 9.5, and, and now it's at 7.5. I don't think it's going any farther down than that, but we'll see. Two games in pro. Colts play the Minnesota Vikings. The Colts are one of the worst offensive teams in the NFL, along with the inconsistent offense of the Minnesota Vikings, led by Kirk Cousins. Why is this total so high? Why is it at 48? I don't get it. When you throw two dumbass offenses at me in a high total, I'm taking the over because it's done well for me this year on this show. So on the record, Colts, Minnesota, over 48. And if you don't like it, lick my taint because I'm telling you right now this is going over 50-something. I don't really know that, actually. I just felt like saying that. That's what the smart touts say that sell plays. The Browns play Baltimore. Our boy, Deshaun Jackson. Or Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Whatever, the guy that loves the massages. <laughs> the guy with 90 more sexual assault claims than Bill Clinton. Has not thrown a touchdown in his return. This does not look good for Cleveland. Boy, they look really stupid, even dumber than usual, against the Baltimore offense, who is nearly stagnant. And this, this is one of the lowest totals I've seen for the year for the Ravens, 38-and-a-half. I do not think that the offensive woes of Cleveland get any better versus Baltimore. And I actually think, from what I've been reading, looks like Cleveland probably defends this a little better than people think, as Lamar Jackson does not do well out there in Cleveland. I think they know what they're doing defensively out there. We're going to take the under 38 and a half on the record, under 38 and a half. On the record, BYU over 64 and a half for Southern Millionaires. 
On the record, Colts, Minnesota over 48. On the record, Browns, Baltimore under the 38 and a half. We have Tulane minus the one and a half. And on the record, TCU plus the seven and a half. The Instagram board is going to be a big thing for us this week because of all the way bowl games run. I'll try not to put anything on the page I don't talk about on the show, but you still want to check the Instagram page and be sure and follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antidote. Rate, subscribe, and review. And reach out and touch a brother and tell somebody about the Sports Antidote today. Has anybody seen Rose Eye? Bro Exotic joins the sports analyst. What's going on there, bro? Uh, what's going on, dude? Bro Exotic, uh, vice pope of Cow Church of Woke. What's going on, dude? Excellent. It's just, just glad to have you on, man. I don't really even know what you're going to be talking about today. I feel sometimes it's better when you don't even give me your cryptic notes. So without me dumbing this up anymore, why don't you go ahead and take us away into college bowl season here? Yeah, dude. We're gonna uh, we're gonna look into uh. The woke wonderland of Washington State, uh, Ooh. with a uh, pair with Fresno State. We're gonna go over fifty-two and a half in that game. Um, oh, bro, exotic! I've never seen you do a total before. Only dogs and favorites, only sides. This is interesting. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's just really clear that uh, that game is uh, it's it's gonna go over uh, <laughs> almost as much as the career of Jimmy Kimmel is going to be over once I'm done canceling him, which is they're playing in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. <laughs> Okay, can I expand on that? Yeah, dude. I mean, I don't even know, like, like, just the gall of these people to uh, to give Jimmy Kimmel. His name is Jimmy Christian Kimmel. So now we have white Christians trying to infiltrate the bowl season. Uh, <laughs> ACL, he's not having this, dude. Uh, no, they are not. So we got a big problem here, dude. Uh, I mean, look, he, he for, at first he thought, oh, I'll just make a bunch of Harry Potter movies and then I'll just be transphobic. And then try to be, you know, still relevant in pop culture. And then hmm. they give him a bowl game. So, bro, this is what I'm confused about here. I don't think Jimmy Kimmel wrote any. Are you insinuating? Isn't that J.K. Rawlings or Rawlings or whatever? Yes, Jimmy Kimmel Rawlings. Yes, he wrote all of Harry Potter. Uh, he's transphobic. Uh, he's an enemy of woke culture, uh, enemy of Cal, Church of Woke. Well, I didn't know uh, this. Is this one of those things that everybody just knows? Everybody knows this, dude. I mean, like, dude, on South Park, do you think, <laughs> you think Randy Marsh was was actually Lord? Uh, no. No, but he identified as Lord, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, dude. Well, it's misdirection once again. Uh, the- Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel Rawling wrote Harry Potter. He's transphobic. Uh, he's a coward. Uh, <laughs> it's not his time for it, dude. Uh, he also was a part of The Man Show. Just a gender-exclusive show. For men, so I mean, like, well, I got one for you, Jimmy. I'm creating the pan show for pansexuals. How you like that? One, <laughs> oh, bro, exotic. You should call him up and say, "Hey, Jimmy, I have a stat for you, or maybe I have a fact for you." I'm creating the pan show. The pan show needs to begin. You know what? Go ahead and send the edict to the church of woke. Get them ready because, bro, exotic. I know you guys are doing pumping in a lot of money to colonist Kaepernick, which is catching steam. But the pan show, that needs to happen before your next Buffalo Ride Wings is under construction. And lest we forget, he also wore blackface as Carl Malone. Oh, that's right. He did. This guy is a race baiting. uh, He's a race baiting, transphobic, anti-BLM. And he writes kids books. Absolute nightmare, dude. I can't do this, dude. We we can't can't stand for this. We've got to cancel him now. Uh. Hashtag so why are, we, why are we taking the over and not Fresno State? Uh, dude, but I mean, this, this game is just going to be as over as his career after I'm done. Oh, that's you know? right. Over is his career. Yeah. This, is, oh. this is just, it's plain and simple. It's very, very clear to see. Everyone knows this. Hashtag women's <laughs> rights. <laughs> yes, I agree. Hashtag women's rights. So the game is going over because clearly Jimmy Kimmel's career is going to be over. He's the one that's been writing these books of kids flying around on broomsticks with wizards that molest them. You know, this is why we have you on the show for this radio. I just thought the guy was a late night host and he was a cuck. Apparently, a lot more than that. No, dude, the legal team of Cal and Associates is going after him to cancel him immediately. Oh, well, he's on cancel. Wait, is he officially on cancel review? 
Uh, he's on Counselor Eve for sure, dude. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, it's been a while since he made the naughty list. Dude, I did that. Yeah, dude. Oh. We got a special. We got a special term for people like Jimmy Kimmel, dude. He's a wino. He's woken name only. All right. We're just not. We're just. We're not going to have him on the team anymore, dude. He's just a poser. <laughs> He's a clown to the game. He's a clown he, to the craft. He is a clown to the craft. You are right about that. This is great. Well, bro, exotic. What's that? The fifty-two and a half. Fifty-two and a half, dude. All right. Well, I might have to get on that action. I mean, it makes perfect sense why you're doing it. Everyone knows. I mean, that, that game is going to clearly go over 55, which is how old he is. Uh, but I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's fine, dude. Well, I mean, we're gonna I, having, I, we're going to have fun uh, collecting that woke money, dude. Or uh, <laughs> cash both binary and non binary. Everyone's going to collect on this one, dude. Everyone, no matter what you identify as, is going to collect on this one. I'm getting on that over as well, bro, Exotic. Once again, you've just, I don't even know what to say. Anything you want to close with, bro? Uh, yeah, dude. No jokes, stay woke. Uh, and I'll see you next week, dude. All right, man. We'll see you next week. All right. Cheers, bro. <laughs> UN and OAS, they have their place, I guess. But first, send the Marines. Tommy Bench jumps on the sports antelope. What's going on there, pal? Not much, Chief. How you doing? Oh, doing great. Thanks for asking. I know that's a genuine question. I'm in Shreveport right now. Uh, ever been through here? It's a lovely area. It's a beautiful metropolis. Uh, Absolutely, yes. We've stayed at various Hampton Inns in and around that area on our way to visit you in the New Orleans, greater New Orleans area, but it is not somewhere I would choose to spend significant time. No, I mean, I was told it was right up there with Nashville as far as public transportation and general happiness amongst people, but I find that hard to believe. This place is horrible, As I, obviously I'm kidding. But anyway, enough of the small talk here. We have so much going on here. I think I know where you're going. So why don't you just go ahead and take us away. I'll jump in if I have to. Well, first, I'm just going to cover that, in fact, the Philadelphia Eagles are 12-1. and one. Yeah, that they are. Just thought I'd, but I thought I'd throw that out there. And no signs of slowing down. I think they've had two of their toughest games in the last two weeks. And they laid a whipping on the Giants, who beat some teams. And they stopped the Titans running game, which was impressive. But people don't hear don't don't listen to my segment to hear about second rate sports takes that they could that, hear okay, on almost but that's I don't think it's a second rate take at all. It's some good points. They did shut down Tennessee and since we're here, I'll I'll give you my two cents. This team reminds me a lot <coughs> excuse me. This team reminds me a lot of the New Orleans Saints team that won a Super Bowl. They got leads early, held those leads, and their defense wasn't amazing, but they kept forcing turnovers. And the Eagles lead the NFL in turnover margin, which is by far more important than being the fifth best defense. If you just keep giving the ball back to Jalen Hurts and he keeps, you know, scoring touchdowns and stuff, you're going to win a lot of games because the Eagles have a lot of talent. So I think that's about right. And I'm cautiously optimistic, although the, the 49ers are on a six-game win streak. So that, that cannot yes, be Yes, they unsaid. are. So. Well, that may be the only time I ever pull for you guys because I hate that team with the passion of a religious zealot. But, yes, go right ahead. All right, so diving in. All right, Brittany Griner. Oh, of course he's going to talk about that. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course I am. But actually, and I'm not going to make the jokes about how it's the first WNBA trade anybody's ever cared about. You can go on social media and get your uh, earful of all those. You know, and, and I'm not going to do the typical, I can't believe we gave some merchant of death weapons guy and Putin needed him for the war in Iraq. Uh, look, I mean, with this with this administration, are you surprised that we were on the wrong end of a bad deal? You know, he's just following in Obama's footsteps when we gave away or we gave away five hardcore terrorists for Bergdahl. You know, that traitor um, or not traitor, but deserter who I you know I can't believe we gave anybody away. And, and look, the general two things can be true at once. One, it's a bad deal. Two, it's good that an American who is unjustly imprisoned um was able to come home. And when I say unjustly imprisoned, I think we would all agree that a you know, nine-year prison sentence at a penal colony is excessive for marijuana. You know, they should have made her do some apology tour and maybe pick up trash for two or three weeks and then send her home. That would have been, uh, I think, a reasonable thing. Or, or remember the guy who got caned back in the 90s? He was the yes. son of a diplomat and he like spray painted. Michael, I remember his name was Michael Fay. Yes, there you go. I remember Chris Rock had a whole bit about how if that guy even saw an art class, he probably, you know, pissed himself. Yeah. But all of that to say, all right, so Brittany Griner, good thing you get an American home. And the point a lot of people are making, especially a lot of a lot of our fellow travelers on the right, 
are, are saying things like, well, there's this Marine hero, Paul Whalen, who's been in prison since 2016, and da, 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 and how could we not get a two-for-one? Fair question. How could you not get a two-for-one? I mean, essentially, one, I mean, she was not famous before this, but semi-somewhat known high or high-profile female athlete and a, a former Marine. How can we not get two of them for the merchant of death? Okay. But here comes the hot take. And here comes the take that I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at. Paul Whelan is not the character and the, and the caricature that quickly gets glossed over of former Marine, right? When people say that, they want you to have an image in their head. And they always show the picture of him in his dress blues. It's essentially what the right, it's the right mirroring the left whenever the left, you know, Trayvon Martin, they always showed the picture of him as this sweet 12-year-old boy. They didn't show the pictures of him 17, 18, 6'2", big guy, you know, doing the gang symbols and holding guns out for social media, right? So it's, it's, it's the reverse image of that. And now again, two things to be true at once. I'm not saying he deserves to be rotting in a Russian prison. But he is not the all-American hero that we want to paint him out to be. He got what we called in the military a big chicken dinner. And that's slang for a bad conduct discharge. And, and a bad conduct discharge, essentially the reason you get one of those, you, you do something where you're in enough trouble that the military wants to get rid of you and limit the various benefits you would be, you would be able to get, you know, prevent you from coming back into the military or joining you know, uh, most law enforcement agencies, especially federal ones, won't take you if you have a big chicken dinner. A lot of local places probably won't take you. Um, but it's it's like you didn't do something bad enough for the for the federal government to waste its time and resources trying to get a felony conviction and giving you a dishonorable discharge. Right. They didn't want to go all the way. So as you know, a brokered deal or you were in enough trouble where they wanted to get rid of you and not deal with you again. So that that's sort of the category. You know, you didn't murder somebody, but you did enough bad things that they wanted to get you out and get rid of you. That's a bad conduct discharge. Now, a little more specific, the things he did, it was, you know, passing bad checks and 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 that that's making it sound, you know, minor. It, it was it was schemes of check and wire fraud. And and he was convicted of various levels of wire fraud and and other types of financial fraud. So essentially the guy was doing shady things with money. He was defrauding people for money. Uh, he was using his position in the military to defraud people of money. So he's he's not like a great guy. You would not loan him money. You would not go into business with this guy. Okay, so he had he had this overseas consulting thing where he was tying together Russian business interests with American business interests, and they said he was a spy and they locked him up. My two cents. What I think I think one of two things happened. One. He was fooling around with the wife or girlfriend of some oligarch who was able to call Putin up and say, I'd like you to throw this guy in prison for 10 years. Or two, he was involved in some business transactions where his shady financial maneuvering that he had been convicted of and is a proven fact uh, reared its ugly head again. And he screwed some of the wrong people out of money. And they called their friends in the, in the FSB, I believe, is, is the predecessor or the successor to the KGB over there in Russia. And they just decided, well, we'll trump up some charges and throw them in prison for, uh, for spying, you know, totally ridiculous spying charges. Okay. Again, multiple things be true at once. Does he deserve to be in prison? No. Is he actually a spy? Probably not. Did through his own stupidity, do I think there's a high likelihood that through some of his own actions, he ended up in a Russian prison? I think there's a high likelihood. I really doubt the guy was minding his own business, doing totally legitimate and fair and honest and decent business. And he got hauled into a Russian prison that's being kept there for 10 years. So again, I, will we ever know the truth? Probably not, but many things can be true at once. Does he deserve to be in a prison? No. Is getting Brittany Griner an American out of a Russian prison system good? Yes. Is it a fair trade? No. Did Paul Whelan is he just this, you know, innocent as a choir boy type guy who got hauled away to a Russian prison? I don't know. But if I had to bet, I'd bet that some of his own stupidity and poor judgment are what landed him in the crosshairs of some of the wrong people in Russia. There's a reason I will never end up in a Russian prison. First and foremost, I will likely never travel to Russia and attempt to engage in business over in Russia because I know that can be a really messy proposition. 
Um, secondly, if I ever was in Russia, I, I'd make sure to mind my P's and Q's and not do anything that pissed the wrong person off. But, but again, I would just start with, let's not travel to Russia. That just doesn't seem like a great idea at this particular juncture or at any point, frankly, in the last 10 to 15 years. So that's that. Moving on to our other communist neighbors to the, to the east of Russia, the southeast, China. So in, interesting things. Over, a couple of weeks ago, there were some pretty widespread protests, and we talked about it a little bit. And you know, while, while the protests didn't metastasize, and I, I use that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, you know, metastasize is usually viewed as a negative thing. I think the, the, those protests were a positive thing. But in the eyes of the Chinese Communist Party, they were obviously a very negative thing. While they didn't really metastasize into something that 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 could possibly overthrow or undermine the Chinese Communist Party such that it would remove them from power, it certainly never rose to the level of Tiananmen Square type riots. You know, as far as anybody's aware, there was no opening fire on crowds of people and, and you know, slaying down and slaughtering hundreds or thousands of people. But it obviously had an effect because what's been happening for the past week is that China is moving away from its nationwide, what they call dynamic COVID zero policy, which is essentially their, their thought of we're going to control the virus. And, you know, anytime somebody tests positive, we're going to lock down 100,000 people and, make, and you know, weld them into their homes. They're moving away from that. And one of the most concrete ways they're moving away from that is their nationwide app that they had that was tracking essentially all of their citizens on their smartphones. And you would either have a green pass or, or it would be red. And to get into various places, you had to have a green pass. And the only way you could get a green pass is by getting tested on very regular intervals and provided you had not come within, you know, 100 feet of anybody else who would come within 100 feet, who would come within 100 feet of somebody who possibly tested positive for COVID. So, I mean, it really was the surveillance state on steroids. Well, they they essentially took that offline. Now, when you do a little further reading, you find out that different provincial and regional governments still have similar types of apps that they're enforcing. But as far as the nationwide run from the Chinese Communist Party, the, the you know official federal government of China, that app is no longer being utilized. And, and I think what this demonstrates, you know, some people might say, oh, it's a win for freedom. It's not a win. It's actually, it's the reverse of that. It's not a win for freedom. It shows that Xi Jinping, the, the president, dictator, premier of China, is not that dumb. And he's smart enough to realize, all right, I think we've pushed the populace to the brink. We saw it start to bubble over. I don't think we can keep this up too much longer. On top of that are the challenges of if economic growth globally slows and demand for the cheap crap out of China drops significantly, Compound that with the dynamic COVID policy that was resulting in shutting down, you know, production centers and factories and things like that. If all, you know, all those things swirl together, you could end up with a reduction in GDP. And, and again, one of the reasons the CCP has been able to hold power is, is the social contract with the populace, which is essentially, if you stay kind of docile and do what we want, we'll make sure you have a better standard of living than your parents had. We'll make sure you live a little bit better than ag agrarian, you know, peasant farmers did 75 years ago who had to risk starving to death. And, and by and large, hundreds of millions of people in China have essentially agreed, whether implicitly or, or I should say, whether explicitly or just implicitly, they've essentially agreed to that kind of arrangement. And, and so I think Xi was smart enough to realize there, there's too many things that could threaten that arrangement. So let's back off the COVID policy. Plus, and this is where I put my tinfoil hat on, They've, they've been putting out a lot of messaging saying, you know, part of the reason we can change is this Omicron variant. It's, it's much less severe than the previous ones. So, you know, stay home. It's, it's just a really bad cold. It's funny. They sound like Republicans circa May of 2021. <laughs> but, um, you know, they even, they even have well-known business leaders and things like that coming out and sharing their experience on, on Weibo and other Chinese social media saying, you know, I, I got it. And it wasn't too bad. So, I also think, oh, and by the way, their vaccines, I mean, as much as there's issues with the mRNA vaccines and their levels of efficacy and preventing spread, um, their vaccines are, are even worse. It's almost as if they are totally ineffective. So they do run the risk because one of the reasons I think Omicron is not as severe 
here in the U.S. is so many people have already been exposed to it. So there's a baseline of natural immunity within the populace. They don't have that because they, they never really had the wave that overtook the country. They had localized areas where it got pretty bad, but they never had a wave that overtook the country. So I'll be really curious. Their caseloads have been going up, but they've also backed off on the testing. They're reducing how often people need to get tested. So that's how they'll control the numbers and make it look like they're doing better than the rest of us. It'll be interesting, you know, will, will their death rates, if they're ever reported honestly, for their Omicron surge be significantly worse than the death rates that we're seeing in the Western world, the more developed world's Omicron surge, you know, that's, that went on about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago this time. I also think, and this is where I get my tinfoil hat on, I think part of the Chinese Communist Party would like to see COVID rip and run through their population. Because if they could kill like 100 million old people, it would really reduce their financial burden in terms of benefits that they need to pay out to keep all the olds alive. So I always kind of thought, I was surprised they didn't let it rip and run through their population a little bit earlier because that would save them a lot of financial stress because they have yeah. an aging population. You'd think that would save them a lot of stress there. Yeah, I mean. Rip a, rip a good, I mean, what's 15 million people in China? What's that? Right. Nothing. Come on. Right. But if they're if there's some of the olds, you know, you'll reduce the burden. So anyway, it'll be really interesting, one, to see what actually happens in China, two, to see what the reporting is and then see how the CCP tries to spin it. Something I'm also curious about from a macroeconomic view, you know, there, there seems to be widespread consensus that we're going to hit a recession in 2023 sometime. But I wonder if China opens back up. Can China actually be a contributing factor to the growth engine, the, the you know economic growth worldwide, which is kind of a shift. You know, China has never really been an engine for economic growth. They they always respond to the other engines of economic growth, mainly the United States and Europe and um, you know developed Western countries. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they actually help fuel economic growth uh, by opening back up, as opposed to just responding to economic growth elsewhere. So that'll be something to keep an eye out for as they start backing off their dynamic COVID zero policy. <laughs> COVID zero policy. Well, if you think about it, dynamic, and literally it's called it dynamic is. COVID zero, but dynamic in and of itself means changing and zero is the absence of value. So it's the ever changing absence of value. I mean, you know, Communists have never come up with something so stupid. Uh, well, that's not true. They've come up with a lot of stupid things, but that tops the list. Yeah, that's up there. That's a top five, no doubt. Well, I think it'll be interesting to see what's going on. Now, do you think, <clears throat> dude, I am dying right now. I'm sorry to keep coughing on all our listeners here. Do you think, and I wanted to ask you this last week, but what happened to the, just because you're talking about ping and everything, didn't like 10 months ago or something, they announced that he wasn't going to be the president and then he was still going to be the president. I know this is random. Do you remember this? Like, No, was there was a, a few months back where a rumor spread on various social media platforms that he was being deposed by the military. That's it. And, and it truly was a rumor. There was nothing to it. And, and I think it was because maybe he hadn't been seen in public for a couple of weeks, um, but it, there was nothing to it. And in fact, shortly after that, they had their, you know, five-year meeting or whatever it is where all the commies get together in one place. Ugh, talk about somewhere where helicopter rides should be given out for free. <laughs> some, some people will get that reference. Um, but at that five-year meeting, they, they changed various laws in their constitution and essentially set him up to be dictator for life. I mean, of he, course. He, will, he will rule China longer than Mao Zedong, um, which, is, which is really incredible. I want next week, next week, I'm going to ask you some questions about TikTok. We don't have the time right now, but my dad asked me what was going with TikTok, and I find myself explaining to him, I sounded really stupid. I know what it is. I know I, I know everything behind it, but I, uh, I was trying to explain to him this is a, basically a spy app, right? It absolutely but, is. Yeah. If you ever want your kids to possibly be able to work in the U.S. intelligence industry, don't let them ever get anything on TikTok. Yeah, that's probably we'll, a, we'll, we'll go more in depth next next week. I like that. All right. Well, good luck to your Eagles. Who do y'all have this week? Well, I'm a terrible fan. Uh, it's not, it's uh, the the foreskins, I think. That's right. Then you got the Saints coming in the week after that. Oh, that's boy. right. Oh, man. All right. Well, 
Thanks for jumping on, Tommy Bench. I always appreciate uh, everything you contribute here. Uh, go Birds, and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, out here. Thanks to Bro Exotic for hopping on the Sports Antelope with that amazing over. Because Jimmy Kimmel's career is about to be over. I mean, how do everyone knows this, right? As he would say, thanks to Tommy Bench for coming on the show. We look forward to having the drunk neighbor. I forgot to mention one thing. Mike Leach, as we all know, has passed away. I can't believe I forgot to talk about this. But we're going to do a better service to do this next week to that guy. I just heard him speak at a symposium for the Mississippi Department of Transportation in Starkville not nine or eight or nine months ago. Uh, that is a tremendous loss to the football community, and everybody liked this guy, including the drunk neighbor who's going to be talking about this, as well as the SEC wrap-up next week. So be sure and catch the show next week. It's going to be a great one as we get into the back half of the bowl season. Rate, subscribe, and review. Follow us at the Sports Antelope. Reach out, touch brother. Tell somebody about the Sports Antelope today. Keep it real and a